So welcome back to the Film Maestro. Uh, it's been a while. Yeah. This is, is Jack Muscatello. Uh, I'll be hosting for today's episode alongside AJ Gugliotta, of course. And uh, yeah, it's been since May that we've been in the studio anyway. We did a couple um, we? Hold up. episodes over the summer. I don't know if you did the, uh, the Film Maestro justice, but... You for can, over the you, summer? You can work on it. Oh, for the intro. Yeah. yeah I yeah. mean, you have a few more episodes to prove yourself before I had to take back host, of course, but... That's the um, first one. you got to ease it a little. Um, but yeah, we've been away for a while. Um, summer's been pretty crazy. But uh, we're back. Finally feels good to be back in the studio. We had some nice little upgrades for WQAQ, which is really nice. So. Yeah, we're back on live radio. I'm yeah. surprised they let us back on. But, um, <laughs> well, mainly me. But yeah. anyway, you're right. So we have not done an episode since our Stranger Things Volume 1, mm-hmm. where we left off all of our listeners on the edge of their seat with what's going to happen with Volume 2. So to right. their knowledge, Volume 2 never released. So in their, in the timeline of our listeners, right. a lot of things never came out. We're stuck on that date. Yeah, we're stuck in July, or early much. July. Yeah. So what So what, what did you do over the summer? Uh, I was working, mainly. I uh, went on vacation briefly to Hawaii uh, for two weeks. That was nice. But mainly working, uh, shooting some weddings, um, some other stuff that would come up here and there, a lot of pictures, photography, stuff like that. What about you? Well, did a few weddings, did some photos at camp. Um, I, I guess I was on two engagement shoots, so yeah, it's yeah. kind of similar to you a little bit, but lots of production stuff mm-hmm. and busy work, like you were saying. Lots yeah. of opening up Lightroom and importing and exporting 400 photos. Mm-hmm. So yeah, all that fun stuff. Yep, the life of a photographer slash videographer. You guys couldn't tell. That's been our main focus this summer. Um, it's been good. I think Trying my favorite part was like people come up to me and they would be like, photographer, photographer, how many photos do you take a day? Hmm. I'll be like, you know, I, I always overestimate, of course. So I'll be like somewhere between 500 to 1,000, which is actually accurate. On like my highest days, I would take like almost 800 photos on like busy, busy days. Especially for camp too. And there's tons of stuff going on. You kind of have to. Make sure you catch something. Um, but yeah, it was like it was, the kids were funny. They're like, "Oh, you know, can I take your can I take a picture with your with your camera?" I'll be like, "No." Mm. So yeah, you know, kids can be. That's why the your lens hood is your best friend. Yes, so. it is your best friend, especially if you were to conveniently drop a lens onto the floor. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was a good summer. Busy, um, kind of flew by and also dragged at the same time, but. In a way, it feels like we stopped in May, just in general, for school. Almost feels like summer was completely separate from the reality up here, at least in my head anyway. And then we came back in, in August, almost like we never left. It's a very strange feeling. Um, but it's good to be back. Yeah, so we're back, which means more film maestro, which means more content, which means we have to talk about something. Yes, and also for anyone who has been steady with us listening, this will be our new time slot for the time being. So... We will be here from 10 through 11.30, almost 12, every Wednesday morning um, instead of Tuesdays. So Yeah, we're, we're definitely playing around with the, um, with the length of the show this semester. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a class of 12, so we can't do the full two hours like we usually do. So it could be an hour, it could be an hour 15, an hour 30, but we'll probably max out at like an hour th- an hour and 30 this semester. Yeah, um, most likely. Most likely. So we'll see how it goes. But... Yeah, we have to play around with that a little bit. Yeah, well, let's get into uh, all the fun stuff that we've missed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> some so stuff I, that's happened recently. I think the, the only thing we have to 
we have to start with would be Stranger Things. It's only fitting. A yeah. quick overview. Yeah. First of all, did you like the second half for volume two? Having two episodes released, um, very big formats in size. We had the first one was like an hour and 40 minutes, I believe. And the last one was like almost two and a half hours long. So basically a movie. Um, but what do you think? Did you like it? What do you think of the longer format? What, what, what can you tell us about I really liked Volume 1. <laughs> volume 2, not so much. Volume 1 of oh, Volume 1. You're talking about the first half the or first, the first new episode of the second the half? Fir- no, the first seven. Okay. First, first six or seven episodes, whatever mm-hmm. the breakdown is. But the last two, uh, eight, I believe it was, um, set up the finale pretty well. I think it got all the characters in the right spots. Um, did some things to set up some of the final mysteries that we were able to be revealed in the final episode, which was really cool. Um, but the final episode was a lot. Some parts I really loved. I love the entirety of the Vecna discussion and breakdown and how he is. Um, even though I think it was a little bit too long, the conversation that he has with Eleven, um, it kind of drags a bit, a little bit too expository, but um, really cool idea. And I hope that that doesn't just end there, that there's a little bit more, especially connecting it to Will and his disappearance in season one, which I think is what they're going to do, which is cool. Um, as far as the way it wraps up, feels a little anticlimactic. They said a lot of deaths were going to happen. Technically, they were right, but it was all side characters as so well as... who did die? It's, it's been out for long enough. It's been enough. out for long we enough. We can talk about it. Um, so the biggest one was obviously Eddie, who was a new addition to the season, continuing their track record of killing off the new person, who um, yep. becomes a part of the main cast in a given season, started with uh, Bob in season two. Um, Billy was technically not a new addition in season three, but and he was Barbara new in Barbara season one, of season course, one. fan favorite. Yes. And uh, now it's Eddie, who many believed, at least on Twitter anyway, that he wouldn't be the one to bite the dust. It might actually have been Steve, um, which I wouldn't have liked in a way. At the same time, I would have really respected them for doing that, but they didn't do that. They killed off Ellie. Ed- Eddie, not Ellie. Ellie. Um, up? They <laughs> have you watched Up recently? I haven't watched Up recently. Okay. I do want to, though. Okay. Um, who else did they kill? They killed Jason, uh, a quote-unquote bully character who was dating Chrissy. Um, which... Who, no one even realized. A lot of people yeah. went online and were like, oh, I didn't even realize he died because of what happened in that moment. Right, because it was yeah. so much more of a focus on the rifts that were opening in the ground right. around Hawkins that it wasn't really shown. It was shown to you, but it wasn't really that noticeable that, oh, Jason was just ripped in two by the, uh, the upside down protruding through to the, to the real world. And, of course, my favorite character, Max. So yeah. hers is a very, very interesting route they're going with her. So I was convinced from the poster from the start before the season dropped that Max was going to bite the dust. Mm-hmm. And we knew it, that she was on the center of the poster. And I told everyone, I was like, guys, she's going to be the focus of the season, which I was right about, which, of course, that's how a poster works. Um, but even the second half, after she had a dramatic first half, she stole the spotlight with her episode, My Dear Billy, in the first mm-hmm. half everyone's favorite fantastic ending sequence right um and everyone's convinced oh she's safe they already played with her too much and i was like guys no she will die that's what i was telling everyone and she kind of did kind of not so <laughs> yeah i think um, she's basically what she's in a coma yeah she's, in she's a coma. blind mm-hmm. so basically she can't move any she can't move her body and she can't see so yeah. but she's not dead She's the closest the, to death. The, the um, Duffer brothers have confirmed that she is not dead. At least, like, she is in a coma. She's also under contract to return for the next season, so we will at least see more. Well, I don't know about that. Is she? I believe so. 
Um, okay. I think all the main cast is returning. I know, well, at least some flashbacks, but I right. do know for a fact that Sadie Sink, who plays Max, of course, said that she does not know what's going to happen with her character, nor have they told her at all. So no one knows. I don't think the Duffer brothers even know because I think they're writing right now. The they're currently season. in the writing stage. Yeah. So, but my guess is, she's there's no in between for me. And again, I think I'm going to predict this. She's going to either come back the first episode, she kind of sparks the adventure, or she will come back in the last episode. There's no for me. There's me no in between. Yeah. Or maybe she comes back as part of the end. But yeah, you're or right. second to half. It's maybe be, second to last. But it can't just be something that happens in the middle. It has to be important enough to like, start it. Or I could see her waking up, and then they're like, okay, we need you to, you know, help us. But no, like what you said, too, about, um, oh, what's his name? Who's the, who's the main character that they threw away? Eddie? Nope. Mm-hmm. Jason? Nope. That's not a main character, though. Will. There we go. Oh, Will. Right. Well, of course. So yeah. Will... Like you said, I think will 100% be in the middle of the poster. Yes. And there's no way, I think, he comes out not dying. (laughs) Yeah, I think um, part of it, too, is I think they have to do that one last circle back. Because they did it for Elle. They brought her character full circle with this new event that technically didn't exist yet when season one was written. But they did a very good job of including it, which was her, um, basically, her being framed for killing everyone in... Hawkins Lab, or at least all the children in Hawkins Lab, when it was actually number one, um, who turns out to be Vecna, and also turns out to be um, the son of, what's his name? A, the family in the 50s, who... Oh, yes. Um, ...is first targeted by um, the force of the Upside Down. Um, forget his name, though. What is his name? Not good with names. Anyway, we're not good with names here. Um, Long story short, he is revealed to be the son of an older man that um, uh, Nancy interviews as part of the earlier half of the season when they're really setting up the mystery, which is one of my favorite parts of the season. We talked about that for volume one. But the mystery of who Vecna is, why he's new, and um, all of that was very well done. I think once the reveal happened, the rest of that final episode was kind of underwhelming. I think just mainly because there was not enough for it to feel like a finale. So why... So this is the question I, I still can't figure out. Why does it feel underwhelming for viewers? Oh, first of all, I don't, I don't know if I mentioned this, but Papa, the episode before that, second to last one, is by far a better episode. It's excellent. Yeah. Such a good setup. That's not I a death hyped. that we have, too. Um, is death why was Papa's was death so... Another spoiler, of course. But why was his death so emotional? Why did they do it so well? Well, I think mainly because... Um, you know, Matthew Modine can go there emotionally, so they were able to challenge his character. And no, but like I'm saying, with the background they gave him, what he did to Elle and to all these other kids. Um, well, I like, like that they why, made it nuanced. Why did they make it like emotional for her to let go? I think because they were maybe trying to go for that route of, you know, he was wrong in what he was doing, but he was also doing it with, in his mind, good intentions, and she was able to see that, I think, even down to the ending. Obviously, he saves her in the, his final moments. Um, and it's not really shown too much to the other characters, and so the other characters still look down on him even as he's dying um, when Will and the gang show up. But um, I think she's able to see that at the end, that he genuinely did care, even if he was maybe exploiting her at times, so that's why I think they made it emotional. Because I still see it as, like, take any like evil character in history and all of a sudden at the end of the story, if they want to, you know, turn good. Yeah. Like, it just, like, to me, that's how I felt. I was like, no, like, you can't be redeemed. Right. That's how I felt. Yeah. 
I, I can see that, but I don't think he was... He was a villain in season one, but he wasn't the villain ever. And he did disappear for two seasons. So True. I think they had to make it somewhat emotional because he was now this middle ground kind of working with Elle to do something good, but also still working against her because he was trying to use her for his own good. So kind of nuance there. And also what I was saying before I went back to the Papa episode was the ending of Stranger Things is, is the if ending of Infinity War for Stranger Things with in terms of what happens. Everything, you know, all the portals are op- opening up in Hawkins. Like, this isn't, like they, they've been hyping up this all-out war they've been calling it on Hawkins that mm-hmm. Vecna is going to unleash. Right. So this is something, like, it's basically your, your, it's basically an alien invasion in a way. Like, you're yeah. changing the whole world. Like, this is a huge thing to happen. You know, and, and they lost at the end. They don't win. But why does it not have that same impact that, like, Avengers, if any, war had? Because there's not enough deaths. And also, I think what's interesting you bring up is how it changes the world. This will be the first time where anything involving the Upside Down cannot be written off by other side characters as something strange or witchcraft like they did in this season. I don't know if you remember from season yep. three with the death of Billy, the fire, quote-unquote, fire in... Um, well, I don't know about that because what ha- what's on the TV screen at the end? Remember they're calling it an earthquake? They're calling it an earthquake, but I think they're going to see... The, the whole point of the season, I think, is they're going to see the rise of the Upside Down into the real world. They can't ignore that. Maybe they'll continue the, tr- the trend of, oh, well, people always try to hide something behind just something that they know, um, especially something supernatural in shows like this, which I do like that angle. But this will be the first time where the characters cannot really hide what they're doing also because the threat is also to the entire town, not just to the small group of kids. Yeah, And just a few things that the directors have said in an interview that I thought were interesting was... Um, first thing, Stranger Things 5 will only be set in Hawkins. Right. Um, they also said they're not going to, they're going to try their best. This is a quote. We will try our best not to introduce any new characters. Okay. Because they know that they, they have to stay focused on the main characters. Right, the main cast. No need um, to build up someone new. And they said, and it's a quote too about Max. She is alive but brain dead, blind, and all of her bones are broken. End quote. Yeah. So, in terms of her fate, I, I don't know what they can do about that, but it's going to involve some magic from Eleven, probably. So, and that's the other part too. I do think Eleven doesn't make it out of the ending alive. Okay, I think that kind of sets a nice arc for her. She's been through a ton as a character. Um, I see that being a way that obviously she saves Max too, in a way, because um, they were friends in season three. We'll see, and that friendship was there. So, but yeah, so that's a possibility. It's definitely. They definitely set themselves up for a quite interesting season five. And I know this, hopefully, I'm hoping they can release this in theaters because I read somewhere that they wanted to for the second half, volume two of season four, but they never got to. But no, I really hope they do because this is this is a big deal this last season. Because mm-hmm. hopefully releases in, I, I see it in like 2024, I think is what they're eyeing. That's a target thing. So. Yeah. I don't know. It's a long time from season one and season five. It's a big ending. Mm-hmm. So this is, I don't know what Netflix is going to do. Actually, they've already told us that they're working on spinoffs in a whole Stranger Things universe. And Ryan Reynolds is in talks to do a spin a spinoff with his character to, to be in a Stranger Things, I guess, spinoff movie or something or a TV series. But no, they, they have lots of plans. So if you're a Stranger Things fan, you don't have to worry. There's lots of lots of places they can go with this. Yeah, and I don't know how I feel about the whole spinoff thing. I do like that it was its own contained story. Um, I think 
if after season one they went the anthology route because season one wrapped itself up in a way that works for its own contained story obviously it begged some inquiry into why will throw up a slug at the end of season one but it wasn't it wasn't a mystery that needed an answer they gave us an answer and they continued the story because the characters were so good but if they went the anthology route i would be more inclined for a spin-off approach because there's maybe other stories but they haven't they've only kept it to hawkins i think once you beat the big baddie you can't go back again you can't remake the same thing and that's what they're going to probably do in some way so not a fan of the whole spinoff thing but obviously we'll have to see what they do before i mean uh, any judgments look at what disney plus is doing with all their franchises are you surprised no. They, no they have nothing else but it's not good either they have pinocchio came out this they, week they and have I was talking about they it, have it squid awful. games netflix and that's it but yes, you bring us into our next <laughs> talking point, which of course is D23 yes. from this past weekend. But yeah, that's all I got to say about Stranger Things right now. There's not much more to say, but we were I think we were both very pleased with the season overall and what they were able to do was still very entertaining. I had lots of fun with it. Yeah, and I was thoroughly so, entertained throughout. And, and it was, it was never, actually good. Yeah, there was never a time where I doubted, especially the craft on display was completely exceptional. From yep. start to finish. So. We, d- we could definitely tell the bigger budget, the bigger set pieces, the CG was a lot better throughout mm-hmm. in most scenes. But <laughs> Yeah, I'd say the CG for once in this show never took back anything for me. Yeah, It never held me out of a scene. It never said, oh, that's clearly CGI. And even if it did, the moment was still strong enough in all the aspects that it still worked for me. But so. yeah, exceptional season of television. Yeah. So D23, mm-hmm. everyone's favorite weekend. <laughs> yep. Well, Especially when they announce if you're many fan. of the remakes that they're doing. But. So Thursday, yes. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Expo. Okay, so a lot of announcements. Lots, actually, there's like endless announcements. We can't even talk about everything. But mm-hmm. what was your favorite announcement, at least? I don't know if I have a de facto favorite announcement because um, there were so many. I know Marvel was tied into this a little bit, too. Um, the other day with uh, Star Wars on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think some of the Marvel announcements were exciting because um, technically it was part of D23, right? That whole side of it. Disney? Um, the Marvel? The Marvel yeah. releases, yeah. Um, I wasn't sure. I know their Investor Day was recently, so I wasn't sure if it was connected to that. Mm-hmm. But um, I really liked the uh, announcement from Michael Giacchino's new project with Marvel, of all things, uh, composer. I think it's fitting we talk on the show. Michael Giacchino, um, who has directed in the past briefly, went to film school, met J.J. Abrams there, so did study film, has a background knowledge, and obviously has seen directors over the years uh, working from more of a behind-the-scenes perspective, but still seeing them work. And he's taking over a Marvel period piece about werewolves. And it looks pretty interesting. Werewolves at Night, it's called, and mm-hmm. it's black and white. Yep. And it's definitely like classic horror how how would you describe it i feel like it's stylized to the 1940s especially the way they present it especially in the trailer too um with the title cards i wonder if it's going approach to, be to the like, effects i want it to be like wandavision with like a fake out possibly but like it's not it's actually not. like this i hope it's not <laughs> i want something from marvel to genuinely commit to i guess for the joke commit to the bit but commit to something that they're doing for a time for time period um kind of like the first two episodes of wandavision did maybe you throw some mystery in there but not like WandaVision. I don't want them to throw that all away in favor mm-hmm. of kind of an underwhelming story. Um, but they did say something on the, in the trailer about a Marvel special presentation. Which I've never seen that before. I I think it's it's going along with for December how we're getting Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. Mm-hmm. 
I think they're calling that a special presentation as well. But if I'm wrong that about makes that, I think the special presentation might have to do with the fact with the time period they're they're shooting for. True. Of like how like how a TV, I guess like a TV special, pretty much. Yeah, you're probably right presenting it. So it, it could be on that. Much. Yeah. But if it's not that or that, then I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but regardless, it is going to be streaming on Disney Plus. Um, won't be a theater release, but it's going to be interesting to watch at the very least. Man, they gave us so many nostalgic announcements, like the Santa Clauses. <laughs> like, yep. why is why are we getting this? So it's basically Tim Allen's back as Santa Claus, of course. Yeah, and it's basically he is. Well, at least in the trailer, it seems like he is giving up. He's retiring as Santa Claus, and there he's going to have interviews for a new Santa Claus. Right, but. It's a it's a show. It's not a movie. On like, oh, it's the, a show. The I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The first two episodes. So November is going to be wild for Disney Plus. Um, the first two episodes are launching November sixteenth on Disney Plus, um, and obviously every week they'll come out after right. that. But man, I don't know how I feel about that. Like those movies are iconic. They are. And, and like watching the trailer, like he looked, it, it kind of looked like Tobey Maguire in the Spider Man suit. Right? Yeah, but at least more natural because, of course, Santa Claus is supposed to be like an older guy. Right. <laughs> Luckily, in this case, so it kind of works out. I think it's kind of funny. These movies fit very well into the early 2000s. To bring it to now is intriguing. Um, but I really like Tim Allen, especially in that role. Um, he hasn't been to much in a while, so it'll be nice to see him come back, especially for a Disney project. So I was talking about this with you. I really hope they couldn't do it then, but in this show, can they please make a Buzz Lightyear joke? And, like, this is what I want. I described it as have the elves making Buzz Lightyear toys. And then they pull the string or whatever. They click the button. And I don't think Buzz Lightyear has a string. But no, but they click one of the buttons. They click the, the button. Mm-hmm. And it's not his voice. Because, of course, Chris Evans played his character this past year in Lightyear. Right. And then he's like, this is not right. And he, like, throws it out or something. Like, that is a golden opportunity for it's Disney a, to It's make an opportunity joke. for a good joke. Don't know if they're going to do that. Um, because I think there were reasons behind why Tim Allen wasn't invited back for Buzz Lightyear. Um, I don't know what those reasons would be, but because I don't know. I don't think it would fit though, because it's not it's not the toy. Like he played the toy. They're saying they're saying that this is the movie. But the way they went about that whole thing, um, and it wasn't like it's not like they just said it. It was also in the intro of the movie. Right. No, I know that. Yeah. But the way they went about that whole movie basically sets up that Tim Allen is the knockoff B actor doing the voice of Chris Evans' actual character, mm-hmm. or actual person, rather, actor, technically, in Andy's world. Very strange concept. Um, also, the twist with Zerg was a bit <laughs> ridiculous, but um, I don't know. I think the movie was a good idea in concept, but not something that needed to be Did made. Did you watch it? I read about it. I had no desire to watch it. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I don't know. I was not a big fan of the direction they took it, especially kind of belittling Tim Allen's involvement felt a little strange to me, um, especially because his voice is directly attached to Buzz, at least in my opinion. So, I don't know. Chris Evans did a good job, but it seems weird to me. I forget what Tim Allen said about it. I know he made a public comment about mm-hmm. um, Chris Evans playing his character, but I, I think he said... I, I think it was on good terms. I could be wrong, but... I think so, too. I don't think it was you know bad blood between them. I obviously came back from Disney for this, so... Yeah. Um, I don't think he would have that much of a grudge and then come back and play Santa Claus. But but we got, and I'm excited for this too, is we got the sequel to Disney's, I guess, uh, its original movie, yeah, it was Enchanted. Yes. In like 2010 or something. Very unexpected. Have you ever seen that? 
I have probably several times when I was younger. Haven't seen it in years. Okay, but so the original cast it. is back too. Original cast is back. Okay, so I always thought kind of like Tangled with this, but the music in that is really good. Yeah, um, I was a big fan of it when I was younger. The idea of it is kind of clever because we we haven't gotten it of like it starts the the actual like what we see on screen is like everyone's a cartoon character and then they go into New York. And it's like the wake up call, which is it's actually funny. Right. And it's like the main character, um, Robert, is going through a divorce. Mm-hmm. And it's like the total opposite of like fairy tale land. It's like so clever how they do everything. Yeah. It's a really smart movie from Disney from a time where they weren't making too much. And no one talks about really this. Fun. It's like very low on the radar. Like it's not like it's a very like I feel like if you ask 10 people, like a lot of people wouldn't even know this movie exists. I'd say a lot of people know it and would appreciate it, actually. Because everyone, anytime really? it's come up in conversation, not that it comes up often, but anytime it has, um, especially with this announcement, it was like, oh, I love that movie when I was younger. Like, it was a really good nostalgic movie that you kind of forget about, and then you realize when you see the trailer for the second, um, and the announcement for the second one, rather, you're like, oh, I love that when and I was take younger. take this into consideration, like, it wasn't on Disney+. Plus. I don't even know if it is now. I think it is now, but it, it wasn't Disney. originally. I, I think it did a few months ago. Yeah. But... You know, it's something they add later. Like, it definitely yeah. isn't like their A list. Like, let's put it on the cover when you open the app yeah, type no. movie. So, yeah, it's it's definitely going to be f- fun to get a sequel. I watched yeah. the trailer and I was like, again, I, I got good vibes from it. Um, and it is a movie, right? Making, it's it's a, a movie, yeah. Making Giselle, I think, mm-hmm. evil is going to be controversial, but we'll see. Yeah, I think it might be a natural progression from the first film. You need to watch the original. We need to watch we'll the we'll do that screening film. soon, because I know everyone yeah. will want to watch that. Yeah, especially. when It comes out in November, right? Yeah, so we get that in November. Right. We get Santa Claus in November. We're getting some, I think, Marvel projects, which we can go right into. Mm-hmm. We got a trailer for Secret Invasion, which is Nick Fury's show, finally. Right, that time. And he looks, he's like an, it's like an old Nick Fury. He looks really cool. And I really like the way they handled the tone in that trailer. Um, it reminds me of the era surrounding the second and third Captain America films. That time period, um, a little bit more gritty, a little more realistic before a lot of the space um, opera style of filmmaking that we've seen from them now has taken over. I just, I love it. I love that it feels grounded. It feels like the stakes are high, especially set this being a major uh, plot point to set up the way that the MCU is going to be going throughout Phase 4 and into Phase 5. Um, yeah, a lot of this was set up in Captain Marvel. It's been a couple of years since we've had any development from that, so to see this kind of go through a little bit further will be really cool because um, the trailer does look pretty sick. Yeah, the only thing I was disappointed about from the trailer was, I think, not the tone, but the it, it looks boring how it was shot. Like It, it looks like, yeah. oh, it's just another Disney show, like Disney Plus show. That's the only thing that I was kind of bothered by but it seemed like it had a little more um i guess creativity behind it especially not that i'm bashing on she hulk but i'm really not a fan of that show right now um that to me feels like prime this is belongs on disney plus only watch it once never think about it again this has at least for me seeing the trailer for secret evasion seemed like it had a little more behind it i don't know obviously we'll have to wait and see what it looks like when it comes out but I'm yeah, hoping that's just, the case. Just to highlight some of the other announcements, we got Armor Wars, which is going to be War Machines show. We're mm-hmm. getting we got Fantastic Four in the trailer from WandaVision director. Yep. We're getting Captain America four. We got New World Order is the title of that. And of course with um New Captain America. So that's yes. that's gonna be Anthony Mackey's first movie mm-hmm. um, as Captain America. 
Um, so that that's going to be fun. Um, we got Thunderbolts announcement, an announcement, which is really huge because everyone's been waiting for that because they've been setting that up for the last year now. And that's pretty much like all the B or C characters, the best way to put it, of like the past movies in the year. Right. Are all going to be in this. <laughs> so I don't know. You know, I mean... Should be it's, fun. It's kind of interesting, but is it going to be a series or is it going to be a? a uh, I think it's a series. Okay. Um, but we got a season two announcement of Loki. That's going to be very exciting. I'm excited for that. So that's hyped, of course, and we're still getting Loki content, which is, you know, from I, I really thought after they killed him off in Infinity War that that was it for him. Yeah, I did too in the moment. Obviously, Endgame changed that pretty quick. Um, right, and it's kind of been. It works for me that he has been a character who's died and, and been revived several times. Because if, if anyone can do it, it's Loki. It's Loki. Yeah. <laughs> and I really like I really liked Loki season one and what it did to set the trajectory for the rest of Marvel. Ever since then, the fact that they haven't referenced much of what happened in other projects, especially Multiverse of Madness of all films, which literally goes into the multiverse directly, seems strange to me. Um, seems very disjointed, and it seems like they've thrown too many projects in the slate for Phase 4. But with Season 2, I'm hoping they can kind of refocus it a little bit more and hopefully set up um, the next two Avengers projects where they will. Yeah, because Loki Season 1 set up the future of the MCU, and they ignored that for, like, I guess almost a year now. It's like a yeah. year now. Yeah, it's been a year. That they didn't even acknowledge any events in that in that show, which, which bothered me and I think a lot of other people, like, Doctor yeah. Strange, Multiverse of Madness. And you don't talk about the multiverse Loki breaking and, from Loki, yeah, and all that. Like it just doesn't work. I know. And we've also saw Kang, which I think they're reserving him for Ant Man. Obviously, we saw Kang in um, in the, the end of Loki, set up the new big bad. Apparently, the the Ant Man trailer, which we've they saw we saw a few months ago, exclusively for people at the events, and now mm-hmm. at D twenty three again. And the footage is very dark, and Kang looks great. Okay. Which, you know, I expect and everything, but yeah. I, I want the trailer. <laughs> I know. So. And it's next year, obviously, right? Yeah. Um, so I'll probably get something in the next couple of weeks, I guess. I say November, honestly. You really think that long? Well, it depends. When is it drop? Is it spring or fall? I would think it's spring, um, but I could be wrong. Let's find out. I know they pushed some things back that was supposed to be the end of this oh. year. February 17th, like a week oh, after my birthday. Okay, then. Okay. Yeah, so we'll be here in school, obviously, which is nice. Well, we should get something. Yeah. But no, I th- the, the next big project, of course, which um, Kevin Feige is saying is their biggest project to date, which is interesting choice of words, but is Black Panther. Mm-hmm. But I don't know why. Is it the biggest project? I don't see how they could continue that story. I think they mean, like, the most important project to date, maybe something like that. But maybe. So the official, um, I guess... What's the word? The official rundown, basically, what the movie's about Synopsis. is yes, yeah. is I think what they said was everyone is at Wakanda is at an all time low. Obviously, right. they're starting the movie with that, and the rest of the world is trying to steal from them now. Okay, and that's basically the main idea. Okay, um, I don't love the title, Wakanda. Uh, but what else are you gonna call it? I don't know. Maybe just Black Panther 2. I don't know. I just think it's weird to have that phrase, which, yes, encapsulated the entirety of the first film's marketing after it was released and became, you know, obviously an important well, this, phrase. This, this but movie's obviously going to be about family. So yeah, Wakanda no, Forever is the It just title. seems tacky. It seems tacky to me. It seems like a video game title, not a film title. 
Um, but that comes out this fall, right? Yes, in, in November, mm-hmm. which we also get in November. So yeah, right. you see so November shaping up to be busy for Disney. Yeah. crazy. And we have Avatar in December. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's going to be a big one too, um, especially to rewatch the first one beforehand. But Disney Plus is stepping up their game with content. Um, and even if they're not good, it's stuff people want to see, which is all that you care about. Right? Yeah. Even if the Santa Claus is not going to be a great show, everyone will watch that. Yeah, right? they'll always try Disenchanted. to. Mm-hmm. They've, they've been working on this script since the first one ended, I'm telling you. I've, I can't tell you how long it's been. Like, I've been, I would search up, like, Enchanted 2 because I was curious. I would go into, like, news on Google. It will be like, script and works. Script canceled. They canceled the movie. They went back to the script. Like, it's been back and forth on drawing boards for such a long time. I'm very surprised it got the light of day. And right. It's actually living now. And we got a trailer. Because I, it's kind of like Spider-Man 4 for me with, like, with Tony McGuire for us. Mm-hmm. With, like, it's not going to happen Yeah, type of thing. But we did. And yeah. supposedly it's releasing in November. Which is pretty soon. Which, which means it's done, pretty yeah. much. Which so. concerns me a little bit that they waited this long for a trailer. Um, yes. But at the same time, I think they held off for a lot of things for just D23. So I wouldn't maybe read too much into it. But that's going to be exciting to watch. And you're right. They are giving us stuff that we've been, in a way, asking for. Um, I just like hope the, it's well executed. It's kind of like the Obi-Wan show. Yeah. With like everyone, you know, everyone's going to watch that, even if it's not good. That's, yeah. just, that's just the reality of it. Yep. So. Which is smarter. It's smarter on their part, even if the content isn't amazing. They're giving us stuff that we want. Um, but no, with, and with more streaming services dropping their content we are getting a price increase from disney plus i believe it's going up to 12 dollars now it was at seven right Eight. it was very low it went mm-hmm. up three or four bucks which is a yeah. lot for at one time jump, yeah. um and netflix is introducing a tier with ads mm-hmm. they're also discussing about potentially following in line with the majority of other services now and weekly releases for some of their shows Originally, they said they weren't going to be planning this. Um, they've done the most they've done is for shows like Ozark, obviously Stranger Things, where they've split seasons up in two parts um, to kind of keep the hype going. But I think they've seen HBO do a really good job with weekly releases. I think they've seen Hulu and Disney Euphoria. Plus follow suit. Somehow, yeah. Euphoria is the only show they could release on like a Sunday. I believe it was even Sunday night. It was Sunday evenings. Yeah, it of was all like times. a random time. I think it was like six o'clock or something. Yeah, and, and it like, was a big event, and people watched it on yeah. Sunday night. I think that's the part of TV that people want. They don't want the binge, or they want the binge that they have access to after the fact. But when it's released, especially if it's a big show, targets a young audience, um, which is a lot of what Netflix's newer stuff is doing, they they need that weekly release to keep the conversations going. Because they've dropped entire shows, and the discussion lasts a couple days, but it's only only dropped at once. So once people see the whole thing, and they sit there for three days and watch it, and then it's over... It's over for them. There's no reason to discuss it anymore. But if they keep that weekly release, it just keeps it in the news, keeps it in the conversation a little bit longer. They literally get more news coverage out of it without changing a whole lot. So I think it's a good idea for them to try to start that at the very least. Yeah, there's like a history of Netflix and their binge watch um, way that they do things. But there's a reason why they do it. It's been their model for forever now. Yeah. And, you know, Netflix was the biggest streaming service and obviously Disney Plus is their biggest competitor in my opinion but yeah I'd say Disney Plus to worry about in the next five years like HBO they're pulling people away I think they can they can compete with but like Disney Plus and the the amount of potential they 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 have especially properties are big too especially now because Disney Plus has realized oh if we just put on you know Logan or 
Deadpool and more adult content with these R8 movies that they have not, tried not to do in the past, but they know that there's just too much it. potential. Yeah. And there's, they have to get other people. The demographic's too small eventually if you're just going to release, you know, kiddie shows. Right. Yeah. And as they're going to keep as, doing that. As much as people our age, people younger than us and older than us, will all watch those shows, of course. But there's a point in time where you're like, oh, I want something, you know, I want to watch Daredevil that right. was on Netflix or Logan or something like that. Netflix probably lost a lot when they pulled all their, the, the Disney pulled all the Marvel shows from them, um, which is an intriguing way that they can kind of work around that whole mess, um, especially with the remakes for Daredevil. That's going to be an interesting thing, too, which I know they talked about at uh, T23 briefly. It's called Born Again, yeah, which legit means that, don't worry about the Netflix character. Yeah. This is Disney's character, and we're probably going to make him a G-rated character because we're Disney, but right. we'll see. But that's my biggest concern. Um, I don't know, has he shown up in She-Hulk yet? Uh, yes. Have the reviews been decent? They said he's completely different. Okay. <laughs> I think. And I like that about, I never watched the entirety of Daredevil on Netflix, but I really liked that it didn't feel like it was a cheaper Disney Plus production. It certainly didn't feel like Marvel. It was treating him like a standalone. Obviously, it ignores too many of the events that happen in that time frame for it to fit into the MCU canon, so obviously they have to trash it um, for the you know timeline anyway. It's still a good show, but it doesn't apply to the overall continuity anymore um but i i just don't want them to go back on what they did or to simply remake it i want them to try to retain that same tone but do it in a way that actually feels earned not just oh we're doing this again because we have it now and it's going to be on disney plus exclusively i don't know i just not a fan of it i'd rather they introduce him in a film um where he has a sizable part and then they branch from there um because his introductions in spider-man and she-hulk have not been up to par so well Obviously, Daredevil and Deadpool are the mm-hmm. two biggest characters we've been waiting to see right. in the MCU, which Deadpool has to be coming. Eventually. Yes, he is. And the thing about that, too, is that Kevin Feige has stated several times that he's committed to the R rating for Deadpool, mm-hmm. uh, for Deadpool 3, which would make it, I think, the first clearly Disney production to be R rated, right? Yeah, because, I mean, you can't count the the shows from Netflix that they brought over. <laughs> No, you can't. Um, you also can't count any of the movies that um, were made under the X-Men banner, especially Logan. That doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily count as nope. a Disney production. That nope. was always Fox. And now that Fox is under yeah. the Disney wing, um, technically their productions that are exclusively Fox and not Disney-attached are not Disney films. But yeah. they also technically are. And especially for Deadpool being part of the MCU, it would be Disney's first completely R-rated film You know, published directly to Disney's website for the trailer. It would be an interesting thing. If, if and when they finally get around to it. But obviously people want to see him. It should have been, which MC project, will I say, should have been the first R-rated movie that they've done? That already came out. So which movie that they've done that should have been R-rated? Yeah. I don't know. Which movie do you think? Doctor Strange. Really? The first yeah. one or Multiverse? Multiverse, of course. Yeah, I can see especially the horror segment during the movie. It would have helped us so much. Helped a little bit. Even though they, they pushed it pretty far... They did. For what they had. But it still um, wasn't like... Like, when I saw it, I was like, oh, I'm so scared. Yeah, it wasn't... It was scary for the Marvel audience, I guess, because it was unexpected. But you throw that in any other non-MCU property film, that's not a horror movie. So, yeah, I'd say it would have helped. But I think they they let Sam Raimi experiment a little bit, which was nice. Well, Sam Raimi, though, like, does R-rated horror oh, yeah. movies. So, yeah, like, he made his name for himself off the R-rating. That's why I'm bit. saying, like, I think giving him that R rating would have helped. Yeah, probably. It would have probably helped maybe steer away from 
the questions about how the multiverse doesn't make any sense or how they ignored Loki if they did some extra violence. I don't know. But I'm excited to see what they do for Deadpool or, and uh, Daredevil regardless, even if they butcher both those characters. I'll still watch it. So, so let's play some music. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while since we've played. It has. Um, even though the summer we kind of made it more just a discussion-based thing based on the fact that we weren't in the same state. Um, but yeah, feels nice to be back in the studio for some music. So, as you guys know, Rings of Power is now three episodes in. Yes. Um, Lord of the Rings. We'll, we'll, we're going to be talking about discussion-based this in a few minutes, but let's play the main theme, Yeah. which is written by Howard Shore, which is the original composer for the iconic Lord of the Rings that everyone knows and loves. So let's just hear the title. It's a minute and a half, and then we'll talk about our thoughts about the show. Sounds good. Be right back after this short commercial break. Stay tuned. We will never fully understand what we've asked of our military service members or their families, asking them to put themselves in harm's way, to endure it all. But we do understand that it's our turn, our duty, to keep them secure for the rest of their lives. Wounded Warrior Project long-term support programs help our most severely ill or injured veterans live independently, at no cost, for life, so that they might stand at ease. Join us at findwwp.org. This is Connor Byrne. This is Nick Bodwin. This is Matt McAuliffe. This is Dan Ball, and we are From the Bleachers. Make sure to tune in Monday nights at 8 o'clock to the number one sports show on WQAQ. Call in at 203-582-5555. We want to hear from you. The soundtrack of Quinnipiac. It's the Q for Common Radio. 98.1 WQAQ. All right, welcome back. So just like Netflix, Phil Maestro's going ads now. Yes, we are. And uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're going to keep doing that. So... That's Rings all we, of Power. That's all we have to say about that. Yeah. But yes, Rings of Power. So we got to attend a exclusive fan event at Cinemark that showed the first two episodes of the series. 
um, back to back. So it was like roughly an hour and 10 minutes or right hour. And, no, two hours and 20 minutes, roughly. Um, yeah, it was great. They gave us free popcorn and candy. Amazon um, really treated free us tickets. well. Yeah. Amazon knows how to, how to have a good fan event. But yeah, it was sold out. Of course, it was in Cinemark's XD format, which is like their IMAX. It was just one day, one showing, so very exclusive if you want to see it in the theater format. Right. And now going back and watching the third episode at home was not fun. Yeah, um, it definitely felt like a step back just because you were so, especially for the XD um, Cinemark screen, it was such a you know major step down. Such a treat. Yeah, it's a small television. But um, I guess we could just talk about our thoughts on the show, right? This is the... This is the biggest thing out right now. Mm-hmm. This is the most expensive production to date for a TV yeah. show. I think in a movie too. A yeah, billion. Well, just a, I, yeah. I think this for is, one singular project. This is bigger probably. than Stranger Tides from in, um, yeah from Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, it is. So because I think that was like four hundred fifty or almost five hundred. I think this is like five fifty or six. This is a lot of a longer runtime. So um, yes, but they've kept that budget for each episode consistently high. So supposedly out. Apple, Amazon is committed to a five-season format. Mm-hmm. Um, a bi- over a billion dollars is pledged to this project. Yep. With I think just alone two hundred fifty million dollars of that, which is acquiring the rights yes. to the Lord of the Rings franchise. Yes. Which From is the Tolkien Estate, which is not—it's it's not more. <laughs> well, it's not even the full rights either. They have no access to. Most of what Tolkien wrote—that's why they say in the um, intro, it's from the appendices, uh, which is attached to the Similarian. I believe I'm saying that right, Similarian, um, which is another book that so Tolkien wrote. So, can they not use? Can I, Can they not use any characters from Hobbit or like the Lord of the Rings that they wanted to? Is what you're saying? Because they are right now. So that's they, why well, yeah, they can. I just think they can't follow too much of the trajectory of the book. Is what I was able to kind of figure out from what I read. It's been very specific from the Tolkien estate, what they can and cannot do, which in a way the show feels it. Um, so, it feels it with, because we have Galadriel and we have Elrond. We have so Tokyo estate is laughing at everyone's faces. Uh, basically. Because they got $250 million and they basically can't do anything that anyone wants to see. Yeah. I don't know what, I mean, obviously they have Sauron in this show. Um, he's kind of that still behind the scenes threat at this point, and it's probably the only episodes. thing keeping most people watching this show with the yeah. the idea that he will be in this show, hopefully, and he will have, I'm, I'm sure, a large presence in the later seasons. Yeah, and I think there's two parts to that, especially the draw. One part is obviously Sauron, what Sauron's going to be for the show, what they're going to do with him, and two, uh, the man who fell from the sky um, in the end episode one, who still does not have an identity, still doesn't have a name. There are some. Crazy thoughts, which I don't know um, how accurate they would be because I haven't read all three Lord of the Rings books. I haven't read The Hobbit. I did read the first one, um, The uh, Fellowship of the Ring, and I stopped after that because it was just way too much reading for me. But um, I think for people who are really avid Tolkien fans, apparently it makes some sense that this old man could be Gandalf. <laughs> don't know how. Um, I mean, I don't but think it's it, apparently possible. I don't think it's crazy to say that he's some sort of wizard. Yeah. Based on what we saw with him controlling the trees, right? But overall, though, let's let's start there. I think, like, are you enjoying the show? Is it complete crap, or is it something people we should be watching? I am really impressed with the way it's made. Um, I will say simply, okay. I'm not in love with it yet. So but production value be, is definitely there. Yeah, we we see the money. You see the money entirely on screen, which okay. was nice. Um, I think the main reason why is because they um, not they're underpaying their actors, but they didn't hire big name actors who require a ton of salary. Mm-hmm. Um, which I like that they went that route, which they kind of did with the first 
three Lord of the Rings which, films. Which, they could, hired be their, to be which could be their biggest flaw. Could be their biggest flaw, but I don't have any issues with the performances. I actually like all the characters and the way that the actors are handling them. The writing, however, not so much. I think um, Galadriel's main character, she's a little boring. Um, I think having her storyline be the centerpiece doesn't really fit for me. Um, I do like the Hobbits and, or not Hobbits, but I do like the Hobbits, uh, the Harfoots who are on display um, here. I love that all of their stuff is practical. The Hobbits, yeah. Um, and it's pre um, the Shire, so they're on foot, um, which is interesting. That's a cool way to kind well, of see how they live. That? We don't know that, but it is a couple thousand years, obviously before Frodo, Sam. My my interpretation was they're just a traveling clan, is one way to put it. Yeah. You're probably right. That's why, um, especially because they're not the same family of hobbits that Frodo and Bilbo would belong to. Um, but unless we see them, their storyline is pretty interesting. That's a little bit too slow at the moment. Outside of that little mystery with the older man, the problem, yeah, like my my biggest issue with season season episode three was that we didn't see enough of that that storyline for me. Yeah, especially enough development too. We saw some mm-hmm. goofiness. We saw some trajectory as far as the fact that he's now known by the rest of the clan to be there. This older man, um, who may be a wizard. <laughs> but uh, there's nothing more to that as of right now. So it's a little it's, slow. It's kind of silly how they go about doing that. Like, oh, they, they can't carry their own stuff. Yeah. Oh, but he can with his magic power. So he can, you know, he I can know. travel with us. Yeah, it's a little clunky. And I think the main issue with the writing for me was episode one established a lot. It established four main plot points. Uh, Galadriel's one of them. Elrond as well. Episode one was a good episode. It was. But I don't have a character that I'm attached to. I like Elrond, but even episode three, we didn't see anything from him. He was in um, Akaza Doom um, with all the... Um, the dwarves. The dwarves, which, thank you. Which, of course, is cool because they, they talk about that in Lord of the Rings. Right, when we see a little there. bit of it in The Hobbit, um, but it's on its way out. Because and obviously The Hobbit takes place very close to Lord of the Rings. So to see it bustling is really And, of cool. course, they're taken over by orcs and... Right, that crazy. What's the creature's name? That uh, Balrog. Balrog. Pretty sure. That's right. Yeah. Um, which is cool that we're seeing the beforehand of this. I like that the world feels very similar why to. They, why they show us the Balrog? Balrog. Why they show us where? Yeah. Why they show us that in the teaser? Um, well, probably he's going to show up. Well, yeah, but like, because he's he's still there. Technically. I th- no, no, yeah, of course. I th- I thought if they showed to us, we would have seen the. I thought for sure we're going to see in the first two episodes. I don't think so. Because I think they, they really needed to sell it for us, so I think they were trying to show as much as they could, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Um, obviously, hopefully, it's not a major spoiler that he's in it, but um, I think that storyline is interesting with Elrond. I really like the way that his character has been held so far, or handled, rather. Gladriel's okay. Not a huge fan that she's the main character, but it's okay. It's working. I mean, she's the main character because, obviously, she's of her... The, you know the person she plays in Lord of the Rings is right. you know a pretty big character. Yeah, she's powerful, but like yeah. she she doesn't seem like the same person yet. No, she seems like a really young version, which it works for the mm-hmm. timeline. Which is accurate, um, yeah. Yeah, and then we have two others that are technically kind of connected, right? We have one involving a um, a soldier, um, I believe, is an elf or former elf based on elf, his ears, yeah. um, and he is a love interest with a woman in this small town. Um, in Middle Earth, long story short, they discover orcs are infesting the area. Um, and as of last episode, he was captured by them and lost a couple of his friends. Um, and that that's an interesting storyline. Got a lot better after the first episode. First episode was kind of uninterested in his character. I think the way his, not necessarily the actor's fault, but I think that the, the material they gave him to work with was very bland. He doesn't emote enough. 
honestly could not tell you his name. Um, and then the second to last, or I guess the fourth plot point involves a little boy who's the son of this girl he likes who has access to, I guess, for many I mean, games, yeah. For play, and from now looking at PlayStation, um, God of War is one of their, I, I would say, best PlayStation exclusives, and it has sold the most. Like, it's one of their highly established um, series, and the, the second one's coming out um, in the fall. Mm-hmm. And that game is, like, very important for PlayStation. Um, so it's hard. To, you don't want to undermine him just because he only has done, like, video games, I right. would say. And But, again, like, this is a big, important show. Howard Shore has done, you know, comparing his score to this is hard because... It's hard. It's you like, can't live up it's to like, that. It's like trying to replace John Williams yeah. for the franchise. That, and that's what it is. Yeah. Like, it's good. I'm definitely like it's not bad, but it's I don't know if it's listen outside of the TV series good. Yeah, and unfortunately, the majority of Lord of the Rings, it was that way. Yep, um, I would say all of it. To be yeah, honest. probably all of it. So I don't know. I'm excited about the fact that it's not dry, and I like that each character is a theme. I think that's going to really help the show in the long run. It's just going to give that emotional punch when maybe the writing doesn't do it for us, especially for some of the characters who are a little stale. And I am a little upset, like you said, that they have, like, for example, the composer is doing weekly releases with each episode, which I like very much. Right. But it's the same themes that he's repeating a lot, which bothers me because I think this is showing us all he wrote. (laughs) Yeah, and maybe it's because of the way that they're editing this. You know, they kind of front load it with all the films just to set it up, and then we'll get some great action cues later. I hope that's the case. Um, Because we do have a new character showing up at the end of episode three that we don't see. They keep mm-hmm. him um, in the Boca out of focus, which I don't love that the show is resorting to that. I know television is naturally built for the cliffhanger. It's the best way to keep the audience engaged, but I don't know. The cliffhangers for Lord of the Rings just felt different because it felt like they still accomplished something for the film, and then it ended. Like Fellowship of the Ring, for example. A lot of things happened, and then Frodo and Sam are standing looking at Mordor, and then it ends. Like, it still feels like a nice ending. For this season so far, each, the end of each episode kind of just feels like, oh, wait till the next one to get an answer. Not here's an answer, but here's an even better tease. Like, the answers are, are lacking, and they're making up for that, or at least trying to with the The ending you just described with Sam and Frodo, does that sound like something we talked about today? With the ending of something? What do you mean? The Stranger Things. Oh, yeah. They're looking at True, their they're doom. they're looking at their doom, yeah. And it fades to black. <laughs> Mount Doom, they're looking at, literally, yeah. And we both said it was not a good ending. Like, it didn't feel good. But Lord of the Rings feels different when it ends like that. I think because you know what to expect from the next two. That's the other thing, too. We don't know what to expect from these, um, especially these five seasons in this show That's as true, a whole. because I feel like if they just released Fellowship... With no people second would, or third. People were probably disappointed. Like, like, oh, man. You you would probably write a three-star review, L5, and be like, you know, it was promising, but we don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And also, you have the instant satisfaction now of, oh, we'll just turn on two towers. Didn't have that back then. So, obviously, the, you know, the recency bias is hurting this show a bit because we don't know the full uh, potential what's um, ahead. But I think it's promising. I think the mystery is the biggest part of what's keeping me watching. I hope they don't throw that away soon and they kind of keep it going with little hints here and there that I'm a fan of. But I think some of the characters need to be livened up a bit or else I'm going to be bored. Um, and we need a we need an action cue from someone at some point. I this. thought the, the action, the prison scene at the end of, towards the end of that was very well three handled. Yeah, was fun. Yeah. It was violent. 
Yeah, it was very violent, surprisingly. Um, I it felt how is that? And Amazon is rating this, I believe, TV. I thought it was like... 14. I thought it was, I thought it was 12. 14. Really? Am I crazy? It might, it might be 12. It was, it was felt like for the first time this show getting very close to the... Um, obviously, you know, not the same level at all, but close in, in point to the way the Game, Game of Thrones season one was handled. It says TV um, 14. Yeah, which makes which sense, is, but that's, that's the same rating that they give Stranger Things. Stranger yeah. Things is very violent. Stranger Things went further. I think the problem, too, is unfortunately the rating system is now a marketing ploy. Maybe not so much for TV, but definitely for film. Um, we saw it recently, not to get off topic, we saw it recently with Blonde, which what comes at the end of this month, I believe, um, getting an NC-17 rating for some sexual um, activity or some sexual violence or something. Yeah, which makes um, no sense which because is usually surprising. those NC-17s are it's, noticeable. It's not, it's not some. It's a lot, and <laughs> it's a list, a laundry list of things. It's not one aspect. So I don't know if that was necessarily for... Marketing. You know, they put every they put little things in there that yeah. the MPAA has to check off on to get the NC seventeen. Mm-hmm. Even though the crew and the director um, were surprised by the rating, so I don't really know. Um, but I think for this, especially, I, I'm glad it's TV fourteen and it can still be this violent. Um, and especially for that impending bigger battle sequence, I'm excited to see what they that, do with that. That comes out out at the end of this month or next month. Blonde, Blonde. I believe, comes out September thirtieth. Oh, know. okay. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize it was so soon. I thought it was later too. I thought it was like December, but it comes at the end of this month. I'm pretty sure it's going to be on Netflix. Um, I'm excited. Get, that doesn't get a lot of hype. Yeah, and I don't know if it premiered at any of the festivals so far. We've had Venice and TIFF. Mm-hmm. Uh, TIFF is ongoing right now. Not to cut away from Lord of the Rings, I don't but, think it did. Um, I don't think it premiered at either one. But TIFF has had a lot of mainstream films um, hit the festival with some gener- some pretty good buzz. Uh, the biggest being Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans, which comes out in November. Uh, it's a story pretty much semi-autobiographical, kind of a memoir about his life and mainly his approach to filmmaking, um, which is really cool because for him, of all people, he's kind of been um, this director that can really mend himself and attach himself to his projects, but his public persona is very muted. He does, he's not a Quentin Tarantino where his persona is half of his films. Um, and there we go from, yeah, so... As far as Blonde goes, uh, apparently reviews have been, you know, showing different sides to the argument. Some people say that it exploits... Sorry, we were looking at an article for those of you wondering. Um, some saying Blonde exploits Mar- um, explores, uh, Monroe's background, exploits her struggles. Some say it does a good job of sh- just showcasing it. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, we'll have to reviews see. are out as of five days ago. Yeah. Um, okay things is what I've heard. Um, Brutal really statement be, on celebrity, but yeah, we're getting reviews and yeah. they feel strongly one way or another. Yeah, <laughs> so and um, I believe that premiered. Um, it had to at some point. Maybe it was just press reviews or a press screening or something. But it could, it could have been press reviews. Eighty-one percent wrong tomatoes and Letterbox two point nine. Right. Um, yeah, it seems like yeah, yeah. I don't know. I think it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Um, and I'm excited to see it nonetheless. It's kind of like Elvis for me, even though I didn't see Elvis yet. It's going to be one of those bigger movies of the year, focusing on a celebrity around the same time period who really struggled with their public life. And what was the crazy trailer we watched yesterday? <laughs> we saw Babylon from Damien Chazelle yesterday. Similar vibes to Wolf of Wall Street. I know we discussed that a little bit. Um, that's going to be a fun well, movie. We have Brad Pitt, um, Margot, Margot Robbie. Robbie. Um, we see Tony, Tobey Maguire Tony a little higher. There's a bunch of other... Um, actors in there that have definitely been a lot of projects recently which is nice to see um for to fill out the rest of the cast um a big emphasis on jazz 
in the trailer, which is kind of been Giselle's thing ever since Whiplash. Um, I'm excited for it. It's going to be an epic, apparently, like epic length, rather. Um, it's closer to three hours, which is a little nuts, in my opinion, for a film about this. But um, I'm excited to see what they do with it. I think it's going to be pretty cool. And the trailer was bonkers, especially like the uncensored version. The the set pieces of like the the battle they were filming. Yeah, just that like, looks, looks cool. That just looked crazy. Yeah, it looks like a lot's going on. A lot of money went into it, especially for an independent original idea for this year. Which I like that 2022 has those gambles. Um, you know, we saw it with everything everywhere all at once. Not that it had a big budget, but it was a gamble for A24. It turned out to be amazing for them. Um, we saw it with The Northman. Didn't do super well. Kind of example of marketing kind of failing a film a little bit. But um, for the end of this year, there's a lot of original movies from big directors. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. $110 million budget. That's a big deal. That's big it's for a film of this. Christmas Day. Yep, I believe the wide release comes out in January. Fighting with Avatar. But it's okay because wide release is in January. But Yeah, a different kind of movie too. But yeah, you're right. It's going to fight for theater space. It's going to be a problem because Avatar is obviously going to leak into January and probably February and maybe March. March. It's going to keep going. (sighs) Unless it really drops off a cliff its second weekend, it's going to stay for a while. It's It's going to. No. I think it will very easily beat um, Top Gun for the highest grossing film of the year. Um Especially internationally. I know so, Avatar did really well internationally. We keep on talking about this, but let's end it with today. What are we saying with how much is it going to gross? Well, the first film grossed two point something billion, right? Is it closer to three? I think 2.6, 2.7. Okay. I don't think it's going to beat it. I think it's going to get within close to two, but I do not see it getting higher than two. All right. So Lifetime Grows Avatar is 2.8 right now. Avengers Endgame is 2.7. Okay. Um, they're just around 100 million difference between okay. them. So the question is, what's the chance it reaches over $1 billion? 100%. There's no doubt it does. The only thing is if the reviews are atrocious, like 15% Rotten Tomatoes atrocious, I think that's Same the only the first time. one. That's not why you see this, though. We see it for the right. 3D and the special effects. Right, but the first one was well-received. It was genuinely well-received by the majority of people. and It was only until after people analyzed it and started to see it, they saw, I guess, cracks or flaws in the storytelling, um, which is a basic script. I know we've discussed that in the past. Um, some people will disagree. but Some people will disagree, but it's, it's, a, it's an engrossing film. It's engaging, especially for its, its you know, visuals, and I think this sequel will be no different. I do think the amount of time Cameron spent on it, I think it has to be good, or else he just lost his mind, <laughs> um, especially with there being three or four others in production as well. Um, so I think if it gets solid enough reviews where it's not trashed, it can easily make $2 billion. But I think it's not going to cross where the original was. I don't think it's When was possible. the last time we had a movie that reached $2 billion? Uh, don't know when the last time was. Um, I know Endgame. probably was Endgame. I know Spider-Man got close. COVID kind of hurt it a little bit. Top Gun's getting close. Don't think it's going to reach it. No. But that's at 1.8. No. No? No. I guess I'm wrong. I think it's at like 1.6. Oh, okay. I could be wrong. Let's, let's, let's find out. Unless it, it grossed $200 million in the last few weeks, which I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised, especially internationally, too. Um, no, I think it's at 1.6. Right now, I think 1.35. Oh, oh wow. That's okay. great. Um, Top Gun that's is at right, 1.4 right now. Okay. And I think No Way Home was 1.5? Probably. That sounds about right. Um, because had a really strong opening that oh, kind of fizzled out. 1.9. 1.9. Okay. 
Oh, 1.9. Right? Anyway, so it, was ju- it just missed to Bill. Yeah. Which It'll it would have with the China release. Point. But China yeah. wouldn't release it because... Do you know why? No. Any guesses? Not from the... Statue of Liberty film. scene. Oh, we were, you told me about that. <laughs> yeah. they, had to, they, said they had to cut the whole third re- act. Oh, my. <laughs> so... Yep. I forgot about that. that they and, you know, China was made probably 300 mil. Yeah, easily. So, oh, well. Yeah, it's funny how they're, you know, so steadfast. They're going to throw away $300 million for themselves, but... Okay, so that means... 2.2 final. 1.8 for me. That's my guess. Okay. Yeah, I guess we've been talking about out. this for a long time. So I think we should probably put like an official bet on this or something. Because maybe like winner has to... No, it would be too late then. I was going to say whoever wins should have to get to see his, get to see his movie for free. But <laughs> it'll be too You'd late have to then. see it already. <laughs> I think... Uh, we'll, th- we'll think of something. Maybe we'll say one person has to buy a basic thing of equipment or something for our... Or we, our we could or bet on opening weekend too. That might be easier. That might be easier. But yeah. then maybe if we go to see it a second time, whoever that is gets in for free. I don't know. Something along You're those lines. In, so you went from possibly not seeing this movie to seeing it a second time? I don't know if I ever said I wouldn't see it. No, you probably didn't. I probably made that up. But, <laughs> but I, sounds, did, I did say though, I'm not optimistic. Conversation. It does. Yeah. Um, and maybe I thought it at one point in time. I definitely thought about it at one point in time before any footage was released. But... Um, I'm excited for it, mainly because I think I've been too hard on the first film. I have to rewatch the first movie. No, I really, no, you're not. Well, it's not I good. really, I watched an interesting video um, on YouTube, Sideways. Hasn't made anything in a long time, but he analyzes um, film scores and scores in general. Wait, hold up. Aren't, the channel's called Sideways? The channel's called I thought Sideways. you meant like I was watching a video on my, on my phone Sideways. No, like, no, no. I was like, good the channel's you called Sideways. Phone, but. Yeah, you can turn it, turn off the lock. Um, but he has a channel called Sideways, has not been active recently, but okay. he has a very ex- excellent video um, talking about the lost score for Avatar from James Horner. And basically, I, I may have mentioned this before on the show, but long story short, James Horner and Cameron and Horner's team were trying to literally recreate, not even recreate, they were trying to develop a new idea for music, a new way to write it, a new way to express it, a new way to oh, yeah. literally create music. I think we talked about this before. It's um, very interesting. Yeah, new, like new structure for notes, new key signatures, literally like an entirely alien form of music. Yeah. Long story short, didn't work. Um, and yet his backup plan still was nominated, almost won for an Oscar. So yeah. it's really yeah, of course, with him not, no longer being alive, someone else has to write it, which means... I don't know what they're going to do. If, if yeah. I don't think they can use his themes, can they? they? they can. Oh, they can if they, yeah. if they want to. They but can. They most likely will have. To. They most likely will do that. I think it's too ingrained in people's heads, public's con- consciousness so. of the film, right? Especially because it's had such a long time to really, you know, have people think about it and, and live with it. So I think it will, unfortunately, be a case where the new stuff is kind of boring. All the old stuff is Horner. Um, I really wish he was still you know, with us to be able to continue that. Because he would probably that. write all five. He would write all five, I think. Are they making five? I think They're so. They're making five. Yeah, he would write all five. Unless he got another argument with Cameron, but I don't see that happening. Not yet. Um, and also James Cameron's going to sell based on his name alone, of course, right, as director. Yeah. So. And he hasn't made anything else since then. Um, he's executive produced a couple projects, but other than that, he's been devoted to Avatar, which is beyond impressive, really. It's even funny if it's because... We haven't gotten an Avatar movie since 2008, 2009. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it's we'll it's intriguing. Um, I'm excited for it in a way. I will definitely see it opening weekend. Probably see it twice, unless it's again, like I said, abysmal. But I don't think it will be. Um, but yeah, 
I think that's all we got for today, though, because we're running out of time. We have class and we have to get food, so. Yeah, and I think maybe this time frame, we'll, you know, we'll experiment a little bit, but we'll see how it works for the rest of the semester. But yeah, every Wednesday, um, 10 to 11.15, 11.30 will be our new time slot for uh, the film maestro, WQAQ. I don't know what we're going to talk about next week. Not sure yet. Uh, we are, as of right now, unless something happens, we will be seeing uh, one of the hottest horror movies out there right now uh, called Barbarian. Um, AJ does not know anything about it. I want to keep it that way. Um, but definitely have heard great things about it. Obviously, this weekend had a really good opening for an independent horror film. Um, and I'm excited for it. It has a good cast, and we're probably going to see that today. So I'm sure we'll talk about that unless we both hate it. Even then, we'll probably still bring it up. Um, but yeah, we will make an official announcement on our Twitter page. So yes. go follow that at Film Maestro Show. Yes. Um, but keep up to date on that, mm-hmm. um, where we talk about you know lots of current events going on too anything we can't talk about during the show or we just forget to especially right. with my memories so <laughs> that's why twitter exists yes which is okay it's kind of casual environment one keep it that way um and yeah that's all we got that's on we got today's episode of film maestro until next week we'll see you guys then yeah thanks for tuning in